0: G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David, and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon focuses on Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, and it's a Trinity Sunday sermon, which is part of the second part of our Kingdom Come series, looking at Matthew's Gospel. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The Lord be with you, and also, and also with, you. with you. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew chapter 28, beginning at the 16th verse. And glory to glory you, Lord Jesus, to you Lord Jesus Christ. This can be found on page 1245 of the Church Bibles. 1245. The Great Commission. and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Would you please pray for me as I pray for you? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with us now as we listen to your word and seek to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry about that. Normally I let everyone sit before I pray, don't I? (laughs) I opened my eyes and half of of the congregation was sitting and half was standing. (laughs) Well, friends, today we are diving into the second part of our Kingdom Come series in Matthew's Gospel. It's also Trinity Sunday. Christians have been celebrating how God reveals himself to us as Father, Son and Holy Spirit from the very beginning. In the Anglican Church, Trinity Sunday grew as a tradition after the murder of Thomas Beckett. Beckett, a former Archbishop of Canterbury, was killed in Canterbury Cathedral on the first Sunday after Pentecost. By forces loyal to the King of England because the, he opposed the way the King was meddling with the Church. Services remembering Becket emphasized the Trinity, and the idea spread throughout Europe from there. Now, the temptation for any preacher is to nerd out on theology on Trinity Sunday. Instead, what I want to show you today is that this gem of a passage from Matthew's Gospel shows us that the Trinity is a concept that comes directly from the Bible and also that it's deeply practical. As the resurrected Jesus meets with his disciples, he commissions them to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. The Trinity isn't a doctrine you accept or reject. It's a reality you live. As I prepared for this sermon, I thought about how relevant this passage is for us here today in Dolby. As I work, and listen to people in my role, I come across three major problems that we all seem to face at some time. Anxiety, conflict, and loneliness. Do some of these things trouble you? Today we're going to unpack this passage and see how our God can speak into the anxiety, conflict, and loneliness of our world and bring healing and wholeness. So let's think about worry and anxiety. Worry about the future is nothing new. Back in Jesus' day, people worried about when the next famine would arise, when the next army would invade, or when the next plague would hit. Today, we worry about rising interest rates, crime rates, pollution, and inequality. We don't know where the world is heading, and so we worry. When Jesus meets with his disciples in Matthew, he's met with a mixture of worship and doubt. The disciples had enjoyed three years following Jesus around. And then, bang, he was arrested, tortured, and killed. Instead of facing the future with resilience and courage, they run away like cowards. So you can imagine that when they hear Jesus wants to meet them on a mountain, they would have had mixed emotions. It was the women who told them about this meeting. In Matthew 28 verse 9, the resurrected Jesus meets with the women who had come to anoint his dead body. And he says to them, greetings. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now, the women had every right to be anxious. Grave robbers or soldiers might have been sneaking up on them to try and attack them. And now, all of a sudden, they're seeing something even more frightening, a dead man walking. But Jesus says, do not be afraid. Then he says, go and tell my brothers. In a a sense, these women get their own great commission. Go, go and tell my brothers. Jesus could have said, go and tell those cowards, or go and tell those dingbat disciples. But instead, he calls them brothers. Here, Jesus calms the women's fears and invites them into God's redemptive work. He could have easily appeared to the disciples himself. Or the Father could have sent angels. Or the Holy Spirit could have sent a vision. But instead, Jesus welcomes them into the work of the Trinity. Go. Verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped. But some doubted. I love how Jesus doesn't question the disciples or get angry with them. He welcomes their worship. And I also love how even here, Matthew has enough integrity to tell us that some doubted. This is huge because critical scholars question whether Matthew actually wrote this section of Matthew. They reckon because people only formalized the doctrine of the Trinity in the Nicene Creed back in 325 AD, that Matthew couldn't have understood the Trinity, and he couldn't have wrote about Jesus baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit back in 70 AD. But can you see how illogical this is? If you were to put words into Jesus' mouth 300 years after the fact, you'd never write that some doubted. You'd lionize the apostles for their fervent faith. But instead, every manuscript of Matthew 28 we have in existence includes this very text. Far from being a forgery, Matthew is telling us with integrity. That even when we're anxious, even when we doubt, Jesus receives us how we are. And he's got the whole world in his hands. Whatever worries you, friend, cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares with you, for he cares for you. If the Father is for you, who can be against you? If Jesus died to save you, what can evil do to you? And then I love this passage from Romans, which says, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Notice how in this passage, all three people of the Trinity feature. Because Jesus holds our future in his scarred yet unfailing hands, we can cast our cares upon the Lord. But what about conflict? What about that person who makes you miserable? Or that person who won't talk to you? Conflict clogs up our lives, and clouds our vision. Well, let's look back at verse 18. Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, I must confess uh, that the Great Commission used to excite me and uh, fill me with worry at the same time. I used to look at a world map like this and think, well, all I need to do is make the world Christian. You've got uh, the purple countries are countries where it's sort of majority Christian. Um, In the middle, there you've got the the green is Islam. Um, in, In Israel, you've got a little blue dot for Judaism. Um, in, um, in India, and uh, in the subcontinent, you've got Hinduism as the dominant religion. In China, you've got non-religious um, people dominate. Um, and then there are indigenous religions um, around Vietnam there in yellow. And, and my, my thought was, I just need to stamp the whole map Christian. I just need to make the whole place purple, and then I'll fulfill the Great Commission. Ra Rah! <laughs> <laughs> This sounded exciting, but then I reflected on how I was going with this. I hadn't baptised anyone. I hadn't made anyone Christian. And this filled me with guilt. It was crushing. How was I possibly going to make the whole world Christian? Thankfully, this is a total misinterpretation of what Jesus says here. authority belongs to Jesus. Therefore, I don't have the authority or the responsibility to convert the world. Jesus is the savior of the world, not me. Jesus is the savior. Others need not apply. My job, my commission is to go and make disciples. How do I make disciples? The same way Jesus made disciples. By forming relationships with people and sharing life with them. We might think that in the Christian life, baptism should always come first. You can't be a disciple until you're baptized. Or maybe uh, teaching. You can't be a Christian until you've done the course but not for Jesus. You make disciples like you make friends, by respectfully forming healthy, mutually affirming relationships with them. This is at the heart of what the Trinity is all about. Our God is a relationship. Pastor John Lynn of Redeemer Church in New York points out that you can't say God is love without recognizing that God is plural. For love to exist, a relationship must exist. And the Trinity is the most joyful, mutually affirming relationship of all. God the Father loves the Son and the Spirit. The Son loves the Father and the Spirit. The Spirit loves, lifts up, and affirms the Father and the Son. Another beautiful Trinitarian passage is Galatians 4.6, which says, Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba Father. Our goal as Christians should always be to value, honour, and love our neighbours. Relationships break down when they're seen as transactions. I scratch your back only if you scratch mine. When we treat people as conquests, playthings, or slaves of our own whims, conflict erupts. When we love people as authentically as God loves us, not every relationship in our lives will be perfect, but God's perfect love will sustain us and carry us through. My friend Scotty shared with me this week Uh, That the owner of his local Thai restaurant, uh, where he and his family eat all the time, um, had formed a relationship. And so they'd always been inviting her over for dinner, and finally she she came along. She's a single woman in her um, mid-30s, whose whole life revolves around her restaurant. As Scotty and his family did their Monday night routine with their two boys dinner, baths, prayer time, and bed. She stayed. She stayed through the whole thing. And they could see their friend light up. Even though Scotty didn't think anything special was going on, after they tucked their kids into bed, their friend shared how peaceful she felt being with them that evening. Now she's a Buddhist, and what Scotty might have done, if he was trying to convert the world, um, was was open up the Bible and explain to her why she was wrong for being a Buddhist. Then he'd invite her to a 10-week baptism course on Monday nights, so she might fulfill the Great Commission, and he might baptize her. Do you think that's what he did? No. Instead, he and his wife invited her to come again, soon, and they're praying that the relationship might grow. The first approach might win converts, but it will bring conflict. The second approach makes disciples, slowly, organically, through relationships. And this brings me to my final point. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit speak into loneliness like no one else. About a third of Aussies report to being lonely at least one or two days per week. It's such a big problem in countries like ours uh, that the British government in 2018 appointed a minister for loneliness, they had a whole portfolio. Imagine the disciples felt lonely and dejected after Jesus died. But as they see him, they worship. In a few days, Jesus will ascend into glory, but for now they are with him. In the company of a friend, in the presence of a living God. Then Jesus says these comforting words. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are Jesus' final words in Matthew. Here he signs off. The disciples don't have to build an empire or convert anyone. Instead, all 11 are called to go through their lives doing God's work. In the footsteps of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, making disciples of all nations, bringing people into the freedom and fullness of the life they find in God. Friends, our lonely world needs to hear the news that we are never truly alone. When it seems like no one else will listen, God hears us. When it seems like no one one cares about us, God reaches out to us. When it feels like no one understands how we feel, the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts and promises to heal them. God is with us, and he will never leave us or forsake us. And for those who don't believe in God, Jesus here calls us to be his hands and feet and to share his presence everywhere we go. Making disciples isn't primarily about changing people's minds. It's about offering God's hand of fellowship and inviting people into the relationship with God that you enjoy. There's a gospel song which I think reflects the reality of this perfectly. It's called Royal Telephone, and it's by Jimmy Little, a Yorta Yorta man. Can you sing it? If you sing it, if you sing it in a um, in an aged care um, facility, people just beam. Um, I hadn't heard it before I came to Australia, um, but I love it. And 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 think about how triune it is. But we, we'll, I'll 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 sing it to you um, because saying it sounds weird. Let's go, <laughs> and you can sing along telephone to glory oh what joy divine i can feel the current moving on the line made by god the father for his very own you may talk to jesus on his royal telephone yeah (laughs) you're singing the rest aren't you (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Francis. Friends, let's revel in relationship with our God who makes himself known as God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is a biblical and deeply practical reality. Let's speak into the anxiety, conflict, and loneliness of our world with the love of God. Let's go and make disciples of Jesus with the same honor and grace that he has shown us. Let's ask the Father and let's ask the Son and let's ask the Holy Spirit to come alive in us so we might live out the Great Commission. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.